to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church family. Happy Sunday to you today, wherever you're at. I hope you're having a wonderful morning. I know many of you are joined together in house church, and I am so glad that we can gather together today. And also, happy December to you. Can you believe it's already December, and uh, the holidays are upon us, and what a wonderful, wonderful time of year it is. I want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor to get to speak to you and share God's Word. And if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to begin a Christmas series this morning, uh, a series of messages through the Christmas story. But before we turn to the scripture this morning, or as you're turning to the scripture, let me just uh, mention a couple of things that are coming up. Of course, it is December and it is the Christmas season. And uh, we have got some great things coming up in the life of our church. I know all of you have your own Christmas plans, family plans. Of course, Christmas is on a Sunday this year. And uh, don't worry, uh, you don't have to get up and come to church. But uh, we do have some great things planned uh, this December as well in our church family. And uh, the first thing I want to make sure that you're aware of is next Sunday, December 11th, is our family Christmas service. Uh, we're going to be gathering at the Orlando Ballet Center Sunday evening at 6 p.m. It's going to be a great time uh, to gather together as a church family and just get to celebrate uh, Jesus, the the reason for the season. And so I hope that you will plan to join us next Sunday evening, six o'clock at the Orlando Ballet Center. I know uh, for some of you, maybe that may be a little bit out of your routine, your time, uh, your schedule, but I really want to encourage you, if you're a part of our church family, let's make it a priority to gather together. Uh, it's going to be a special time of worship, Christmas carols, I'm going to share a short Christmas message. It's going to be a one-hour service. We're going to involve the kids. We'll have some hot chocolate Christmas cookies. It'll just be a great evening together. So I hope you'll plan to join us. And then the following Sunday, December 18th at 6 o'clock, we're going to be gathering together for our Vision Builders Christmas party. And that is a time for us to gather together and just celebrate the incredible progress that has been made this year in our Vision Builders initiative towards establishing the open house. And I want to tell you, if you have not been by there lately, it is incredible to see the progress that is happening, the transformation that is underway in that place. And I'm telling you, it's going to be no time until we're going to be meeting there, inviting our friends and family. It's just going to be a great, great thing. So I hope you'll plan to join us for our Vision Builder celebration December 18th at 6 p.m., at uh, the Baldwin Harbor Apartments. There's a beautiful clubhouse there that we're just going to get together, have some food. It's going to be a a Christmas party and an opportunity for you to dress up a little bit if you'd like to. And uh, also, that'll be a night that would be great for us to get babysitters. So book early, plan ahead. You won't want to miss it. It will be awesome. And RSVP online. All right. Well, Luke chapter 1, and uh, hopefully you have found it by now. And as I mentioned already, I am kicking off a series of messages through the Christmas story and just looking at the characters of 
Christmas. And I don't know about you, but uh, I find myself always amazed every time of uh, every Christmas time when I come back to the Christmas story and I'm just reminded again of the power of the Christmas story. It is such a beautiful story. No matter how many times we have heard it, it is filled with good things that will encourage our faith. And so uh, we are going to be looking again at this Christmas story as we do every year. Um, and I want to look at the characters of Christmas. We're going to be going through the characters of Christmas and kind of asking the question, if we were to interview the characters of Christmas, what would they tell us? Uh, what would they have to say about the Christmas story? And so today I want to speak to you about one of the uh, most important characters, the main characters in the Christmas story, and that is Mary. Not the main character, but one of the lead supporting characters, I suppose. So Mary, and I want to read out of Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, down to verse 38. It says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an incredible account. What a significant moment as Mary or the angel appears to Mary and Mary receives the good news that she's going to give birth to Jesus. And of course, all of us are familiar with this story and we all think of Mary uh, kind of after this moment. We think of Mary as the mother of Jesus. Uh, but have you ever thought about before she was the mother of Jesus, she was just Mary, just a regular girl, a normal girl, a teenage girl getting ready to be married. And I don't know about you, but, you know, if, even for me with my parents, uh, I always think of them as having been my parents. Uh, I, in, in my mind, they've just always been parents. 
Uh, I can't imagine them as, you know, having not been parents, just being people. And that's how we view Mary oftentimes. We just think of Mary as the mother of Jesus. But before she was Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was just Mary, a normal girl. And it's against that backdrop of a normal life that this angel appears to Mary and brings the message, the good news to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. What an incredible message. And I want you to recognize that because that message to Mary is really the message to you and I. It's really the message of the gospel that although our lives may have just looked like a, a normal life, just like everybody else, just living a natural, normal life, in the midst of that normalcy, the good news, the eternal news that has been prophesied and prepared for from the beginning of creation, that good news, that message of the gospel has come to us. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women or blessed are you among men. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news that through Jesus coming to earth, that it's not just Mary has found favor, but we've all found favor. We, we all should rejoice because God is with us. We are favored among men and among women, not because of our goodness, but because of God's goodness. You see, the message to Mary is really the message of the gospel to you and I. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You see, the beautiful thing about Christmas is not just that Jesus came to Mary, but that Jesus has come to all of us. Jesus has come to every single one of us. Every person who will put their faith in Jesus, the good news of the gospel is not just that Jesus came to Mary, but that Jesus has come to us. Through the Holy Spirit, he has come to us. Therefore, we should rejoice because we, are, we have found favor with God. Not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. Not because of our merit, but because of his Mess, because of his mercy, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. The message to Mary is the message to you and I. Therefore, the life of Mary should be a lesson to you and I. How do we live as people of faith who have received the good news of the gospel? And so I want to share with you a few lessons from the life of Mary just out of this passage of scripture that I believe applies to every single one of us if we are going to uh, live in light of the gospel. The first thing I want you to see, or I would say it this way, if we were to ask Mary, uh, Mary, what, what does Christmas teach us? Here's some things I think Mary would say to us. The first thing that she would say is that God works in unlikely times, in unlikely places, in unlikely people. Let me say that again. I think Mary would say to us, God works in unlikely times, in unlikely places, with unlikely people. Look at what the Bible says in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man 
whose name was Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. I want you to see just in that verse, it's an unlikely time. The Bible says it was the sixth month. That was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. That's an unlikely time. The Bible says that she was advanced in age, unlikely to be pregnant, but here it is, the sixth month of her pregnancy, an unlikely time. Not only was it unlikely for Elizabeth, but it was also unlikely for Mary. It was in preparation for her wedding. And I don't know about you, but if I was God, scary thought, I know, but if I was God and I was looking for a time to bring a baby into a woman's life, it would not be as she's preparing for her wedding. I would at least wait till after the wedding. <laughs> it was an unlikely time. Not only that, but there had been 400 years of prophetic silence. No one had heard from God in 400 years. And it was at that moment that God speaks through Gabriel to Mary. It was an unlikely time, an unlikely place. The Bible says that the angel came to Nazareth. Now, I know for you and I, we think of Nazareth as Jesus's hometown, and maybe we give it you know, more honor than the original readers of this would have given it. But for the, for the original readers, and in that time, Nazareth was not a place of honor. It was not Jerusalem. It was not Rome. It was not a great city. In fact, archaeologists even tell us today that Nazareth was probably a town of about 100 to 400 people, just a small town, hardly a spot on the road, no traffic lights. Archaeologists tell us as they have dug up the town of Nazareth that there is no evidence of any shops or cultural artifacts. It was just a place filled with laborers. It was a place for shepherds. It was a place um, that, that was not... Um, exciting to go to. Nobody wanted to go to Nazareth. In fact, it was even said about Jesus later, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This was an unlikely time, and it was also an unlikely place. And it was not only that, it was an unlikely person, Mary. She was a teenager. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm hesitant to trust my car keys to a teenager let alone the redemption of all humanity. <laughs> and here God, in his sovereign will, chooses a 15-year-old girl, an unlikely candidate, an unlikely time, an unlikely place, an unlikely person. Why? Because God loves to use unlikely people to fulfill his purpose. And maybe you feel today like you're an unlikely candidate for God to use. Maybe you know of all of the reasons that you feel like, God, you couldn't use me. You couldn't, you, you couldn't use my life for anything great. Maybe you come up with all of the reasons why you are disqualified, just like Mary was disqualified. Maybe you come up with all of the reasons why the place that you're from or the place that you're at right now Nothing good could come out of that place, but let me give you some good news. God loves to use unlikely people in unlikely places at unlikely times to fulfill His purpose. If that's the place that you're at, here's the good news. That's exactly where God loves to move. Because if it's in an unlikely place with an unlikely person, nobody can get, take credit for it. Everybody says it must be God. 
That's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, not many noble, not many mighty, verse 27 and 28, not many uh, noble are called, but God loves to use the foolish things, the lowly things, the base things of the world to confound the wise so that no flesh can glory in his presence. God loves to use people that are unlikely. Let me tell you this, do not disqualify yourself from the purpose and the plans of God. Do not disqualify the place that you're in. You may feel like nothing good could come out of this place. Don't disqualify yourself because God loves to use unlikely people in unlikely places and unlikely times. That's the first thing that I think Mary would tell us. God uses unlikely things. The second thing I want you to see, I believe Mary would say to us is this, that God wants to work in you so that he can change the world through you. God wants to work in you so that he can change the world through you. Look at what the angel said in verse 31. Not only have you found favor with God, Mary, but the angel says to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and you will bring forth a son and we all know he will change the world. And, and I want you to see that, that that is the good news of the gospel. It's really the twofold aspect of the gospel. Not only have we been restored in relationship to God, not only have we found favor with God, we're not only restored in relationship, but we're released in destiny. You see, when Jesus comes into our life, it's not only that we've found favor with God, but that God wants to birth something in our lives or conceive something in our lives so that he can birth something through our lives to change the world around us. That's the good news of Christmas, not just that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but that Jesus is conceived in you through the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus comes into your life, you're born again. There is a divine deposit on the inside of you. The DNA of God has been conceived in you through the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about a physical conception, although some of you may have conceived physically, but that's not immaculate conception. But for every single one of us, there is a divine deposit of the Holy Spirit. There is something placed within our spirit from the Holy Spirit that God wants to birth through our lives to change the world around us. That may be a calling. That may be a, a dream. That may be a business, maybe a ministry, something that God has placed within you because he wants to birth it through you to change the world around you. That's why the Apostle Paul said it this way in Colossians 1.27. He said, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It's not just Christ in Mary. Of course, that is the Christmas story that everything hinges upon, but it's Christmas is not just about the fact that Christ came 2,000 years ago. It's that Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why he also says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. 
You have a call that has been placed within you through the Holy Spirit, and God wants to use you. He wants to work in you so that He can work through you to change the world around you. Uh, I want to just speak that over your life. You will conceive through the Holy Spirit. You will conceive. God wants to deposit something. If he's not already, God wants to deposit something on the inside of you through the Holy Spirit, a gift, a calling, a dream, a destiny, a vision, a plan. He will conceive in you through the Holy Spirit. The the Apostle Paul also said this, I labor until Christ is formed in you. I labor until Christ is formed in you. What he's saying is, uh, I, I'm working because God is working in you. I'm like, a, I'm like a midwife that is working to help you to deliver what God has conceived within you. And, and I believe Mary would say that to us as well, that God wants to work in you in order to change the world around you. Practically speaking, I, I want you to understand that wherever you go, just like Mary was carrying Jesus on the inside of her, I want you to understand that wherever you go, you carry Christ with you. If you're in business, you're carrying Christ into business with you. He's in you. If you're a parent, uh, there is a deposit of the nature of Jesus. It's not just you parenting, it's Jesus parenting through you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so God will work in you to change the world around you. You will conceive. The third thing that I believe that Mary would tell us is that is this, that God provides for what God conceives. God provides for what God conceives. When, when the angel brings that message to Mary, Mary's response is, how can this be? How's it going to happen? I don't know a man. And I love what the angel said. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, the angel says to Mary, Mary, you're going to conceive, but this is not your child. This is the Son of God. This is conceived by the Holy Spirit. I love, you know, Mary asked the question, how can this be? Notice that the angel did not reply with how. He did not answer the how question. He replied with who. You see, the issue for us is not how can this be, but who the Holy Spirit. And when we recognize that what God wants to do in our lives and through our lives is not our work, but it's God's work, we will recognize that what God conceives, He carries or He provides for. I love that the angel said, this: the one in your womb will be called the Son of God. Yes, it's the Son of Mary, but it's the Son of God. And here's what I believe that means is God is not a deadbeat dad. If God has conceived something in you, God will provide everything that is needed for that to come to pass. He was the son of God. You see, the danger for every one of us is that God can conceive something in us, but we can begin to think that that is 
ours. That is my son. That is my family, my calling, my destiny. And ultimately, the problem is if it's ours, then we have the responsibility to sustain it. But the good news is that if it's been conceived by God, what God conceives, God provides for. Maybe you're in a place today and you feel something on the inside of you stirring, a sense of calling, and you're wondering, how is this ever going to happen? Here's the good news. God will make a way. The Holy Spirit will come upon you because with God, nothing will be impossible. God provides for what God conceives. Maybe you feel a sense of calling today for a ministry or a business. Maybe you have a dream for your family, a dream for vocation, something that you feel God's deposited on the inside of you and you feel, how can this ever come to pass? With God, nothing will be impossible. What God conceives, God provides for. God will make a way. The last thing I believe that Mary would say to us is this. Notice what the Bible says. Verse 37, with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. The last thing I think Mary would tell us is that God's word produces God's work. God's word produces God's work. Ultimately, Mary's job was only to take hold of what God had said and to hold on to it. She didn't know how it was going to happen. She didn't know the, the steps that it would take or even when exactly it would happen. But she said, nevertheless, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Later on, the scripture says that Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. In other words, she just took that word that had been given to her about her child and she held it in her heart. She held on to the word of God. I love that thought. She treasured it. What's a treasure? A treasure is something you hold on to. You don't put it on display all the time, but there are times that you bring it out, you look at it, and you remember the value and the worth. And I think the same thing is true. When God gives us a word, we've got to hold on to it. We've got to treasure it. We don't throw it away. We don't forget about it, but we hold on to it. And we believe that if God has said it, He will do it. Mary recognized that God's word produces God's work. And I want to encourage you today, if you have a word from God, maybe something about your future, your family, your calling, your destiny, perhaps something about that divine deposit on the inside of you, and you feel like, I don't know how this is going to ever come to pass. I, I want to encourage you to say like Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. God, if you have said it, you will do it, and I believe it. I want to encourage you today. As we think about Christmas, that Christmas is about a lot more than just Jesus coming 2,000 years ago. Christmas is about God's work in our lives today. God's work is about a lot more than you just going to heaven when you die. It's about God working in your life to change the world around you. 
regardless of how unqualified or unprepared you feel. That's the incredible good news of Christmas. The message that Mary would give us is God loves to use unlikely people, unlikely times, unlikely places to fulfill his purpose. And that's my prayer for you this Christmas time that you would say like Mary, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but let it be to me according to your word. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching this message today. Lord, I thank you at this Christmas season that we remember that you have come to us. God, thank you that you're not far off. You're not just in heaven. But Lord, thank you that through the Holy Spirit, you've come and you are living in us, Jesus in us, the hope of glory. And Father, I pray today that faith would be released into our hearts. Father, thank you for the calling, the destiny, the purpose that you have for every single person. Lord, thank you that you have a lot more for us than just going to heaven when you die. You want to use us to change the world around us, just as you used Mary to change the world. Father, we pray, let it be according to your word. Father, I pray that faith would be released in our hearts even as we lead up towards Christmas. Father, let us not be so consumed with all of the busyness, busyness that we forget the message of Christmas, that God is with us. We are to rejoice, highly favored ones. I thank you for it, Lord. Let our hearts be stirred with faith today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope this word encourages you. I want to encourage you to take some time, talk about this with your house church. What's God stirring in your heart? Don't forget next Sunday, we're going to be together at the Orlando Ballet Center, 6 p.m. for our family Christmas service. I can't wait to see you then.